Hi team, and welcome to episode 11 of The Hard Yards. Thanks for listening in for another week, and I certainly hope you enjoy this episode as much as I enjoy chatting to this week's guest. The shoe is certainly on the other foot for this week's episode, as I am the one doing the interviewing of a man many of you will know from the interviews he has conducted himself in a number of different sports over the years, me included. It gives me great pleasure to introduce this week's guest for a different look into a career in sport. Good evening, Andy Ma. Matty Guide, it's a pleasure to be here. I um, I can't, I can honestly say right from the outset, without wanting people to turn off, that I can't possibly follow in the footsteps of people you've been speaking to previously, <laughs> but I'm flattered to be part of it, mate, and uh, good luck with Good luck with you. You made a flying start with the podcast and um, may there be many successes to come, mate. So lovely to be here. Oh, mate, thanks very much. And it's uh, it's been great fun. A lot of people uh, have been messaging and reaching out saying how much they've been enjoying it, but I don't think they realise how much I enjoy doing it mm. and, and chatting to these guys about sport and, and how much I'm learning as not only a professional golfer, but a golf coach nowadays and, and, uh, and learning from all different codes. It's amazing. I think you would have experienced that over the years as a someone who's delved into the different codes that you can learn so much about people and about adversity and coming through and triumphing through all different codes. Yeah, no doubt about that. So um, in terms of the different codes, if you like in inverted commas that, I've experienced on my side of the microphone, as opposed to the one that you've spent most of your life on, this is a different code. The podcast format is, uh, and uh, God, you know, I'm getting towards the end of my broadcasting career. Um, I wish this format had been around 30 years ago. I think it's such a great, intimate, specific um, way to, you know, communicate and um, inform and all of those things. I think podcasting is, you know, it's a great, great um, part of the whole kind of media platform. And I think it's brilliant from a perspective that you can just throw it in your ear while you're driving to work, having a workout and you're just gathering data, you know, listening in. There's always some some little gems, isn't there? And Mm. the amount of people who message me after Adam Scott as, as fans of Adam Scott, but just got to see a different Adam. Well, you know, it's funny you say that because the chat you had had with him, and it's um. So I noticed a different voice, and you see a different yeah. face. I've spoken to um, Adam, you know, briefly on a couple of occasions after a win or during a tournament. You know what the thing is? Can you've shot sixty seven? Can you come and talk to whoever? And they do, and it's a you know they, they want to be somewhere else doing something else. Yeah. Um, so you get a different um, context. Uh, yeah. I guess. And then I listened to Scotty's chat with you and I watched the, the webcasting that he did with Wayne Persky at, um, yes. at his Malania. golf in Maloney a couple of weeks ago. And it was just a different sound. Like the, the, mm. the um, informality, the familiarity that uh, he clearly has with people like you and, and Wayne showed a different side and we heard a different sound in Adam Scott's voice. Yeah, which I just I thought was bloody lovely. You know, I thought it was great. How good is it? I think yeah. it's it's a combination. I think for him of of spending a really random few months at home uh, on yep. the sunny coast with his yep. family, and he's relaxed. And you know, he's he's just it's something they don't get. You know, elite sports people don't often get this long service leave in the middle of a year yep, <laughs> you know, yep, away from yeah, their code. Yep. And, you know, so, yeah, and I, COVID's obviously been fascinating for that. I, I, look, I'm not going to – it's going to come out the wrong way here, but I love the fact that he uh, not, not felt like he wanted to give something back because it's probably yep. not why he did it, but I love the fact that he – for somebody who's lived his, his life on Broadway, like he's, yeah. main, he's Main Street when it yeah. comes to everything he does, he's, he has done, he's done a thing for you and he's done a thing for Wayne, which is not Broadway, but yeah. it is, it's proven, well, uh, it's shown a side of him that Broadway's never really got out of him yeah. before. So yeah. that's why I love this stuff. You, you, you can drill into uh, when you've got the right interview, the right host, you know, whatever, when you've got that person right, um, you can you can hear and find out something about people that 
you know, the mainstream has never been able to find out about them or tap into before. Um, so if people haven't listened, if, if for some reason people are listening to this and they didn't <laughs> listen to your chat with Scotty, um, I hope they go back and have a listen to it because you, you, there's definitely a, an unfamiliar sound in his voice, which you, you, you know very well. So. Yeah, it's awesome. And I think that comes down to tournament weeks. He's there to perform. You know, mm. and he's there to he's there to win the golf tournament, and he understands that the media is a big part of it. But you know, he also gets the same questions thrown at him mm-hmm. from the minute he arrives at the venue till yep. you know Sunday afternoon. And you know, there's there's definitely a guarded component to the way sports people answer in their environment. Mm. And you know, so it's been refreshing to 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 sit and chat to now ten of you. Um, and I put you in that space, um, <laughs> 10 people as guests on my show, where we're sitting in lounge rooms or studies on different parts of the world uh, during this time of COVID and having a chat. And I just love that about, like you say, about what podcasting can be. Mm. And, uh, and I'm fascinated to get into that with you tonight. So um, you were sharing just before we came on uh, for the chat that you've uh, been a bit unwell and you've actually been through a COVID test yourself in the last... 24 hours yeah no the kids through that yeah oh no that was it wasn't fun the kids i'd heard about it i didn't quite believe it but the kids were going to be crook so um i picked up as you do you pick up whatever they've got inevitably and um had a little sniffle and a cough so i thought oh shit i better go and um get the test there's a drive-in testing center about 15 minutes away from where i live so i went in there yesterday morning and got the test back that night no positive no sign of any COVID-19, which was great. But the, um, you drive into a big shopping centre car park, it was packed. Like it was yeah, right. pa- packed with people. People getting tested. Yep, yep. The car park was empty. It was 20 past nine in the morning. So they go from nine in the morning till about five at night. And while I was there, it was just a, it was a, uh, yeah, just a conveyor belt of cars coming in. Whole thing takes about an hour to get in there and get through, get through it and, swab out your back of your throat, swab up your nose. And um, I've got to say, like, it's, it can't be a very pleasant job doing it. You know, I watched Liverpool Everton this morning and I noticed the soccer players had the NHS um, symbol on their shirts. And hopefully everybody around the world is um, sparing a thought for the people who have been conducting the tests and looking after the people who have been crook. We've been a bit lucky in Australia because we've been... Yeah, for sure. You know, so we haven't been hit by others. But, yeah, no, it, was, um, it wasn't a pleasant experience, but it was a good result. So happy with yeah. that. Yeah, mm. absolutely. Oh, it's, and it's, it's affecting everyone, isn't it? You know, we were chatting about how Victoria is seeing a little bit of a spike right now. But even up here in Brisbane, um, working at the driving range today, coaching people, the chatter is all about it, you know, and does that mean our borders are going to be tighter again? And just when we were looking like maybe opening the Queensland borders up, you know, now there's oh, people saying, no, we shouldn't be, we shouldn't be. And it's amazing, the ripple effect. It's incredible. And there's politics that get kind of played in, in yeah. all of this. And WA, from a footy perspective, AFL, you know, footy perspective, WA are playing real politics with it now. That, you know, sort of they can see an opportunity here to get sort of some hubs over there and so they've sort of um, waved a big carrot in the face of the AFL today. Oh, that's really? going to be yeah, that'll be hard to resist. So you know, no crowds, two thousand people here and there, whatever. The, the WA borders have been closed. The WA Premier says today, uh, no news about our opening of borders. But if a hub comes over here, we're happy to have thirty thousand people, fifty percent capacity, at our stadium. Yeah. So yeah, so. Optus Stadium. I don't know where you've been over there. Long way away I from you. I haven't been to the Optus Stadium. It looks amazing. It's amazing. It's awesome. So 60,000 seat stadium. He's now saying to the AFL, get a, cup, get a hub over here and you're going to have 30,000 people come to your games, which is going to be very difficult for the AFL to resist. It's, um, mm. So in the middle of all of this, you know, there's, there's games being played. There's agendas being pushed. Yeah. You know, sport. You know, I mean, how good was, I don't know, whether you watched found yourself watching the Korean Open, Women's Open yesterday, but well, this morning, whenever it finished, I can't remember, but, you know, So Yon Yu wins that tournament. The first time she's won her own uh, National Open, 170,000 pounds. She picks up for it, 400,000 Aussie dollars, donates the whole thing to COVID relief. You know, so, I mean, that's, awesome. that's pretty awesome, I reckon. You know. Yeah, it's awesome, isn't it? Mm. I certainly, 
I certainly wonder how much, as you say, politics are involved. And, you know, the West Coast teams have been struggling in their pod mm-hmm. here on the Gold Coast, struggling to get wins. And how much are those coaches talking to the pollies back in WA saying, come on, we need to get home and well, have a, an advantage their way? You know? Well, you, you know, you know the game. You know your game. I've been lucky enough to, you know, follow your game here in Australia and a bit overseas uh, as a tiny part of my work portfolio over the years. And, um, you know, speaking to you guys, professional golfers, um, there's no sport more affected by the brain uh, than, than your game, in my opinion, of all the games that I've got close to. And you can see um, in the two rounds of footy that have been played since the resumption of the AFL that the West Coast Eagles are clearly affected. They, they, are, they are playing like a footy team that doesn't want to be there, that wants to get home, is not committed, uh, is just off enough for their performance to be affected. Yep. And it's, it's obvious. You watch them play and they've already put it out there. Now they're trying to sort of recant a little bit. They can't wait to get back to Perth. No, like, no, definitely count, not. Count down the hours, you know. It's funny you say that because, you know, our code is, you know, to play it at an elite level, we've really got to be out of Australia and you've got to be travelling the world in, my, in golf. And, mm. uh, and quite often that means even from the Japan tour perspective, you're away for that, you know, three, four-week blocks at a time as a regular thing, you know. Mm. And, you know, these guys have got a four-week block here and it's, it's brutal, you know, isn't for them. It, you know? Isn't it funny? Like, it's, um, this is what you sign up for like when you yes. when you decided yes, whatever sure. age you decided to be a pro golfer that that's kind of what you wanted like i want to be Absolutely. over in europe i want to be in japan i want to be in america you know get me out of here yeah. um these blokes don't sign up for that so when no. it when it hits them it's like jesus how do i cope like what is this going to look like you know what is it going to yeah. you know what i mean so it's a very different headspace that they start in yeah that's a great point you know, so um, that, I think that's why it's probably troubled a few of them. And let's, while we're speaking a bit of AFL footy, how is your heart after the weekend? As a <laughs> massive, massive Carlton Blues fan, yeah. oh, I was thinking about you. I've got another mate, two mates. One's Kim Felton, who's you know, yeah, great involved man. in the PGA, and, yeah. and you would have heard of his name over the years. And mm-hmm. another head pro at Yamba is uh, his name's Johnny Wright, and he's a massive Blues fan as well. And I was messaging well, love him. That golf. That, God, I love that golf course. It's how good is it? It's a, oh, great, it's little a track. great little track. Yeah, it's a beautiful yeah. little course. Yeah. No, no, that was hard, mate. That was hard. That was a grind. It was a complete polar opposite of what Carlton produced the week before. They were 42 down and nearly won. Mm. They were 42 up and nearly lost. It's bizarre how sport chucks that sort of stuff at you routinely. But um, thankfully, they got over the line. And um, now we'll wait and see what happens with them this week. We've got to play Essendon, who are in the middle of a COVID shambles of, of their own. Absolutely, so, they are. We'll wait and see how, how that plays. How must... How must coaching be? What's your experience over the years being a, you know, we'll delve into your career a little bit more, but, you know, you've obviously spent time interviewing people and coaches. What about the coaching experience in your, in your time as a, as a sports commentator and interviewer? Have um, you interviewed of many coaches? Oh, yeah, heaps, like all of them. Um, you know, well, well, all of them from an AFL perspective. Yes. Plenty of coaches in your caper. Um, they are... I've, I've always said that um, they're the most interesting people. Yeah, right. Um, they, they are the ones who can give you an insight into the, into the student, the player. Yep. Um, they want to be... I don't know whether this is your experience as a player now that you're sort of stepping into coaching. It'll be interesting to get your perspective on this, but coaches want to have the answers. Yes. They want to be able to give you an answer, whereas players can often defer. But, but coaches feel like it is incumbent upon them, expected of them, to have an answer. Why am I doing this? Why do I keep hitting it there? Why can't I kick it straight? Why are we losing? And um, so a coach that's got just the right amount of uh, self-confidence, arrogance, competence, whatever you, want to, whatever you want to say about that, they will give you an answer. And it's, it's out there for everyone to see and hear. And then they're measured by, um, measured against their own theories and uh, practices. 
So um, I've always thought that coaches, uh, by and large, you know, not not all of them all of the time, but the most the most interesting people in sport. Yeah, that's awesome. What do you yeah, reckon? I, think, I mean, do you oh, find oh, that? Do you must yeah. have people looking at you all the time now, going, "Why do I keep? Why do I keep hitting it right? Why do I keep? You know, why can't I make it at six footer?" Like, you must have people all the time looking at you with the need for you to provide them with an answer. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the 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 learning component of me being a, a golf coach now and playing less and less on tour has been a, a fascinating one. And I think as I evolve as a coach. I'm less inclined to give them the answer every time. I like to sometimes answer their question with a question and allow them to think over a question and, and then say, hit a few more with that in mind. And then we'll, we'll delve into it a little bit more. Mm. So I think the learning curve from the player is, you know, we, we give them a bit, see what they can do with it, you know, and then come back. Okay. Ask another question. And, you know, because the self-learning component of, of any sport, I think, is massive. And if you're learning on your own and you come up with the answers, it holds a bit more power. Oh, power is exactly the right word, I reckon. Yeah. There's a lot more yeah. belief for you as a player. So, yeah, it's fascinating. Mm. Um, I certainly think, to begin with as a coach, I spoke way too much, you know, right. and I yeah, tried right. to give the answers yeah, well. um, every time. Whereas now I'm evolving into a a bit more of a thinker and, you know, get them thinking and get them coming up with the, the right answers. So yeah, it's fascinating. Mm, it Mate, how did it all begin? How did it all begin for you? Let's go back a little bit into your, your junior days. What, you know, obviously what did you play? Did you play some sport growing up everything, as a kid? Did you play everything, everything like Aussie kids do? Yeah, everything down here, um, you know, predominantly footy in the winter and cricket in the summer. Uh, dad was a mad keen golfer. Uh, so followed him around on, Saturday mornings with his mates, carried his bags, you know, gave me a five iron every now and again, play a couple of holes, you know, that sort of thing. When he was in the bar after the game, I'd be out on the practice putting green out the front of the clubhouse for until it got dark, all that sort of stuff. And you still love your golf? What do you play? Love it. Nah, terrible. A 13 and a half at the moment. So that's all right. Yeah, no good. No, no good. So um, (laughs) um, the days of kidding myself that I was ever going to be a good player are well and truly past, but. I love it. I love it more now. I discovered, um, not discovered, I made my mind up about two or three years ago that um, don't even worry about the score anymore. Just try and hit a good shot. Every time you stand over it, try and hit a yep. good shot. And if you don't hit a good one, then try and hit the next one well. And the whole thing will take care of itself if you do enough of the things right. Don't worry about the score. And scoring's too hard. Scoring's hard in <laughs> golf, like it's, as it you know. So, no, I just played everything. And um, when I realised that I wasn't going to be good enough at anything to, um, you know, make a living out of it, not that I quite looked at it in those terms, but I realised, well, if I can't do it, let me write about it. So all I wanted to be from about 13 or 14, I can remember distinctly wanting to be a sports journal writer, like write about Oscar Madison, you know, the odd couple, you know, he had a dirty bedroom, I had a messy bedroom. Uh, that's, that's all I ever wanted to do. And um, I was really lucky. I reckon I was lucky that I knew that because then everything that I did, whether it was conscious or subconscious, um, from that point forth, helped me become a journo. And um, yeah, wow. once I became a journo, then one thing just led to another. Were you forced to, were you able to sort of, take yourself down the sports road as a journal or did you have to do a bit of everything? You know, how does that play out as a young um, journal getting you, into the, into the space? It's a good question. You just, so if there's any young wannabe journos out there or just volunteer, like just do stuff yeah. for nothing, you know, like um, uh, I was writing stuff for school magazines. I was yeah. doing, um, when I got to uni, I was writing for the school newspaper uh, when I was playing footy at my club, if I wasn't in the team that week or I was too young or whatever, I'd sit on the roof and volunteer to commentate the, the game at the first 18. Um, just a million of those things, Matty. Like a million yeah. of them. I can't even remember how many there were. I'd phantom write um, match previews uh, for yeah. the Friday match of the day. The Herald, the old broadsheet Herald, Danny, which you may not know about, but the big broadsheet, you know, daily newspaper, that's all changed now. But Michael, Mike Sheehan used to do the big yes. match preview. 
uh, the match of the day. Well, I'd sort of copy his structure and I'd, yeah, right. and I'd, do, I'd do a preview of the calm games. I, I just, just a million different things that just my own amusement. And then by the time I got around to actually applying for a job, without even knowing it, I'd done a thousand hours of stuff. You know, like, yeah, wow. And uh, so just it was easy from that point forth. So from a from a sporting perspective, and the you know the discipline that we have in golf or or whatever the sport or the code might be, spending an hour and a half with Johnny Milman on the tennis court mm. a week and a half ago, it's the hitting of the balls, isn't it? You know, that's what you're telling me. You know, Ten thousand hours. Of the balls. Yeah. Ten thousand hours, mate. Yeah. It's the same thing. You know, like it's the same thing. It just you just got to keep doing it and. Uh, don't waver. And this is part of the problem. Like you must have seen this. You, there must have been, um, when you were coming through pathway golf, there must have been, you know, guys and girls around who were maybe better players than you. For sure. Um, who just dropped off. They dropped off. They didn't have, they didn't have it. They didn't have the, the, the capacity to maintain the love or the interest or whatever it is, you know, like, um, There's no doubt about it. I mean, Adam spoke about that at the end of mm. his podcast when he was talking about a, a mutual friend of ours, Travis Johns, who played state golf here. And, you know, you think about the players Adam's played with over his career and to have Travis Johns in the top five most talented of all time that he's played with is insanity. What must that mean to, and I don't know Travis Johns, I don't know where he is or what he's doing now, but what that must mean for him to hear that. Yeah. Like imagine processing that, <laughs> you know, I know like, it'd be difficult. I think it would be oh, difficult. So hard. So because, hard. Because Travis chose to go down a different pathway with his mm. golf and to be coaching and all the rest of it. And Scotty spoke about how sometimes he, he didn't talk about this in the podcast, but we were chatting about it um, prior. And he said, sometimes he'll catch up with Trav in Dallas and, Travel make eight, nine, or ten birdies when he plays with Scotty, you know, and it's just God, insane. Geez, and he just, yeah, wow. it was Scotty said, I've never been more frustrated with a mate ever in my life than him because he has so much talent. God, you know? that's and, amazing. I, and I'm like, what are you doing? You know, yeah, you're yeah. better than 95% <laughs> of the guys on the PGA Tour, but yeah, he just yeah. didn't have, he didn't have that want, you know, mm. he didn't mm. have that want to get there. Whereas what you're talking about here is that from 13, 14 years of age, you had a desire, you had a passion, you had a dream, and you went for it. Mm, mm. And a bit like a bit like the the Scotty Travis John scenario, there have been. Um, I've been doing this since I got my first job in, not like first full time job in nineteen ninety. No, nineteen eighty six. Nineteen eighty six. Wow. So since then, I, there have been, and anybody who knows. My what I do will agree with this. There have been hundreds of better writers and hundreds of better TV presenters than me. Like, just better looking, better versed, better writers, more able to turn a word, whatever it is, thousands better than me. But for one reason or another, I've ended up where I'm, where I've ended up, and 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 not them. So, yeah. and it's not because I'm necessarily talented or more talented than them. In fact, I can look in the eye, Matty, and say, I'm not more talented than most of those people. Yeah. I'm not. Like, they're better than me. But there's so many other things that go into being employable and yeah. being part of a team and yep. doing your bit and all of that, which is surprisingly uh, as important in all of the things that I've done as being a member of a team, yeah, a sporting team. No and from my perspective, you know, um, oh, I can't even think when we first met a long time ago. Oh, but, yeah, geez. Um, yeah. Yep. We both, had, we both the, had hair. We both had hair when you and I first <laughs> met, you know. Thankfully, <laughs> our podcast viewers don't know we haven't got hair. <laughs> um, but, but certainly one of the things I've loved about you and why I was always happy to talk to you Hmm. was the genuineness and the passion that you exuded to talk to me as a journo. And that was for me something that always resonated with me about Andy Ma. Hmm. And I loved 
I loved Andy Ma, the bloke that I got to know, the person that I got to know, not Andy Ma, the journo, but because of that guy, I was always happy to talk to you. And mm. whether it was on SEN radio when you, you know, you reached out, can you come on the show mm. or, or what? It didn't matter to me. As soon as I knew it was you that I was going to talk to, it was just always a yes when, you know. Mm. That was um, awesome. It's great. And that's you. And that's you, the person. And, uh, and I think that's, you know, that's a really great thing. And, you know, if you stop at the end of your career and think about all the people and all the superstars you've, you've been able to speak to. And I, I sort of feel a little bit lucky like that with my, my um, podcast guest role so far. Someone said to me the other day, they said, wow, you know, if, if someone presented that to Channel 7 and said, these are my first, you know, eight, nine, ten guests on the show, mm. they'd be ecstatic mm. as, a, as a sports producer. You've done it. Yeah. Yeah. No, <laughs> absolutely. Producing. No, no, absolutely. No, no. It's hard to get the, it's hard to get, um, you know, the people you want to get all the time. And it's why, uh, you know, people like you who have, who have been on the front line uh, and you know, these people have a massive advantage, like sports people who turn um, media uh, performer uh, have got a significant advantage. You know what it's like to do what we talk about. Uh, the people who are on my side of the fence who pretend to know are <laughs> pretty much kidding themselves. Um, and you will always get, well, if you, no, no, I was going to say you always, that's not true. There's been plenty of people who have played whatever various sports we're talking about who haven't necessarily been very good at passing on information or mm. getting information out of their subjects. It's not um, a skill that necessarily comes to all sports people. Um, I suspect you can do that. I mean, I've, I've listened to a couple of your podcasts. I mean, you can do that. Um, so you're, you are, you've got an opportunity. There's a bit of a mutual admiration society, but you've got <laughs> a, you've got a real opportunity to parlay what you did as a sports person into something really meaningful in broadcasting. And now you just need to get all, all, all you need to get now is a bit of luck. And unfortunately, one of the unfortunate things about timing is that you step out of playing golf at a time where in Australia golf in the media is probably at about its lowest ebb that it's ever been in. Um, which is for you a shame, for me a shame, because we love it. Um, And uh, that's a a modern-day truth that um, golf has to deal with, you know, so... Yeah, there's no doubt about that. You know, know, I I guess I'm not... um, I don't ever want to be... And I think that's a big part of chatting to all different sports people and and presenters like yourself tonight and, and... and uh, commentators and producers um, is that, you know, I love it all, you know, and I know I love it all. I know. know. And that's, and And, that's, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think that's something that no doubt you've probably had to do a little bit of over your career as well. So obviously with AFL being the big, the big number one, probably I would say number one sport in your life Mm. um, to be able to commentate on and, and want to be involved with. Um, But you know, it's been more than that for you, hasn't it? You know, and you've, you've kind of, whether you liked it or not, you've had to be able to do that and adapt. Mm. Well, I'm lucky. I'm, I'm lucky that I've not, I, I can't remember being forced to do anything that I haven't loved. I, I've been, um, from a work perspective, you know, the, the sports that I've um, mostly been asked to cover are footy, cricket, and golf. They're the three sports that I've spent most of my life working on. And I love them all. So <laughs> I've never really had to, you know, squeeze the thing too hard to get joy yeah. out of it or enthusiasm for it or, um, or any of that. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a crossing that divides a really interesting thing. You know, you've mentioned the word, just being a fan, just being an enthusiast, obviously loving it and being respectful uh, for those who play it um, and hopefully having an understanding of when to ask a question and when not to, when to back off, when to step up. 
uh, when to push the button, when to let it go. Hopefully that all uh, comes about because you've spent a lifetime watching it, playing it or listening to it and you get a sense for the right, the right time, you know, and, and hopefully players, sports people like yourself recognize, well, he, that was, he, he, he handled that right, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Was that a learned skill for you over time? Hmm. Well, yeah, I think it was, you know, without, and again, a lot of this stuff's happened without really knowing it. Like, um, hmm. yeah, I think it was, you know, you just, um, I've always, had a, I think I've always been an okay conversationalist. I've always been, I've always been able to have a chat and I've always been happy to listen to what you say. I might have 20 questions that I want to ask, but I've got to, I've got to the end of a thousand interviews and look back at my list of questions and realize I haven't asked 15 of them. (laughs) Um, And that's because the, the next question was far more interesting because of what, the subject said. just said, yeah. Yeah. Um, so a conversation for me is far more interesting than a straight Q&A. The ability to listen, um, know what or tap into what you think is important. Don't miss a moment, you know, like um, sure. um, we've all missed them, you know, but yeah, just, just hit the note and pick up on the cue when it's provided to you is... Um, is something you, the older you, that is the one thing you get better at. I think the older you get. Yeah. What about the what about the shift from writing about sport into live sport, where you're live on the air? How, talk us through that when Andy Marr first stepped into live sports commentary, and and what's going through your mind in the lead up to that first moment? And do you remember that first time? Oh. I remember it, tragically, I remember it like it was yesterday. Um, and I, it's, so writing is, you've, you're often on a deadline, so you've got to hit, you know, deadlines, but you can sort of manage the deadline when you're writing a bit better than you can when you're on radio or TV. So you sort of become a bit used to that. I got um, a pay TV first arrived in, in Australia. There was a, a 24-hour a day footy channel called Sports AFL, which yep. is on Optus Vision. Um, which um, I was lucky enough to work for. And um, I remember going to, there's a massive uh, um, fight for survival for the Fitzroy Footy Club, who eventually merged with Brisbane. And the first thing I ever had to do was do a live cross into a live show um, from the Fitzroy Town Hall about what was happening. So let's go down to the Fitzroy Town Hall, Fitzroy's Future's on the line, Standing by is Andrew Mark. And uh, it was Tim Lane who threw to me and he was hosting the show that I was, I was on. And I remember my mouth was as dry as <laughs> dry. Can, I, couldn't, I couldn't get spit. Like I couldn't, I couldn't create, I didn't have a bottle of water. So I couldn't. You needed a runner out there with a the water couldn't, bottle. Mate, I couldn't get any, I couldn't get any saliva in my mouth. So my mouth was like super dry. And I remember the president of the Fitzroy footy club was a bloke by the name of Dyson Hall Lacey, who was a you know, QC or barrister down here in Melbourne. And I, when I said, I said, yeah, thanks, Tim. Uh, Dyson Hall Lacey was kind of like the first thing I had to say. And it felt like I said his name, saying his name took about two minutes. I felt like I was <laughs> stuttering and uh, anyway, it wasn't as bad as I thought it was, but the terror of that first live cross when they throw, you know, you're on. And God knows how many people are watching. There wouldn't have been many back then because pay TV was so new, but yeah, right. it was a very different, there's a performance with, um, with live coverage of sport. There's a performance that you have to, uh, that is part of your job. That is a far more, it's far less subtle when you're writing um, than it is when you're on TV or radio. But that was a thing that took a little while to get used to. Yeah, that was yeah, something. You've done producing of shows as well, right? So then how does that pressure match up with the live? You're the live, you're the live guy. They're crossing two verses. You're the one in the studio pulling all the strings and saying, we're going there now. We're, you know, you, and you know, you're talking into the ear of the host and all the rest of it. 
How does that play out? Nothing worse than an OB being the person in charge of an OB van or a or a studio control TV control room. That is the most terrifying place to be because everybody's looking at you. At times going, "What? Where are we going now? What are we doing next?" I couldn't cope with that at all. I was hopeless at it. Um, <laughs> I was so that's called a line. So that position. was short lived. Oh yeah, I couldn't wait to get out of the truck. Hated it. Couldn't do it. Right. Hated it. Could wasn't just wasn't built for that at all. I love being a. Uh, um, a rundown producer. Like I love building shows. I used to produce for a couple of years. I produced a show called talk and footy uh, that had in the iteration that I was producing it. Bruce McAvaney host, uh, Caroline Wilson and Robert walls were the panel. I was on channel seven and it was regarded as at its time as the kind of um, preeminent footy Monday talk show. And to build a show and to get with in conjunction with people like those three, and other and other producers, and then give them the rundown and say, right, this is what we're going to talk about tonight, and then see them do it, and and listen to it. Your um, your structure of a program and your uh, what you considered to be the the major issues and the way you wanted a show to flow, what you wanted to get out of guests, all of that sort of stuff. To see them do that was so satisfying. So, and I was lucky enough to work with good people. Is, is that, so Bruce McAvaney is obviously incredibly well-renowned within the industry as knowing everything about every sport. Yep. You know, that's the way yep. I look at Bruce yep. Um, yep. over the years. How much of a Bruce McAvaney run show is his own doing? That's a you know, really like good, that's a no. yeah, are you good. producing? Are you giving him all the stuff, or is he doing his own? That's a really good question. Um, Macca is a, 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 his knowledge comes from his own family. Like he yep. he knows what he knows, and it's more than most people. <laughs> uh, but that. there are moments when you need to, you know, hit the hit the button and say Macca, something, whatever it is, you know. Yes. Um, and and they all need it. We all need we all need that from time that to time. Prompting. You know, yeah, yeah. So when you're out in the middle of it, when you're you know, when you're doing it, you, it's easy to forget for a yeah, for sure. a moment where you're supposed to be. Um, so that the best need that. But but Bruce Bruce thinks as a host and a commentator. Bruce thinks like a producer. He's got a real producer's mind. So he knows if if something hasn't happened when it's supposed to happen. He knows it will happen, so he doesn't panic. He just he knows how to, to pad and to just tread water. We got, we've got that clip for you now, Bruce, throw to it. And then he, you know, so, because all sorts of things happen behind the scenes. Yeah. Things just get, tape gets stuck, you know, things don't roll, um, things get jammed, you know, the wrong bit of vision gets cued, whatever, whatever it is, you know, a million things go wrong behind the scenes. It's um, quite fascinating, isn't it? To know it really is. yep. the behind. I've loved, I've loved it over the years when I've been invited down into, you know, the Channel Seven or the Fox Sports van to sit as a guest commentator for thirty minutes after a round at the Masters or or the like. And I love it. I just, you know, my eyes just go bing, you know, wide open. And you know, to have an earpiece in and you're hearing how much conversation's going on in your ear whilst you're supposed to be talking at the same time. Mm. You know, it's. Mm. And so Amazing. often in golf, in, like golf, I found is um, um, some parts. Well, in, in many parts, the most infuriating live coverage. Um, <laughs> it is that we've had we've had this thing in Australian golf where um, uh, it's it's been shot, 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 shot. Let's go to Guide on the thirteenth. Let's go to Norman on the twelfth. Let's go to Elby on the fourteenth. Let's go to Appleby on the. Let's go to Scotty on the. 12th. And it's all queued up, like this is shot, 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 queued up and ready to go. And the commentators are often calling shots that we're watching at home uh, that have been played a minute. Yeah, like a long time before. And I can understand why that is. I have no issue with, with why it is. But I've always, I used to get really frustrated, really frustrated in the you know, times I've done golf coverage and I've never been in a position to influence change but um, frustrated by the fact that we don't go live go live 
go live to Guy who's on 15 and he's in the, he's had three in the trap and he's, you know, <laughs> he, whoever, he, you know what I mean? Like, Don't show I, that. <laughs> I remember I was on the, um, I was on the 11th at the lakes the year that uh, Daly emptied his bag into, into the, the water. Yep. And I could, I knew what he was doing. Like I was down there and he hit yeah. two or three in the water. And I'm, I hope I'm not speaking out of school when I say this, but I said on the sneaky, I said, Daly's gone rabbit here. Come down to me on 11, come down. And the producer said, no, I said, he's about to DQ himself here. He's, it's tin cup. He's keeps hitting the balls in the water. Come down. It's crazy. We had a camera there, right there. And the people in charge said, no, no, we're not going to do it. We're not going to show it. It's embarrassing. It's, um, it brings uh, shame on Australian golf. And uh, we missed it. We let it go. And it was, in the end, it was the, the first story that every news network went with that night. Absolutely. John Daly sensationally disqualified himself, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, bro. And we could have been there for the last six balls he hit in the water. But, but the people in charge had, had two agendas. One, they had a lot of shots they had queued up and wanted to get away. They probably didn't trust me because I was a young kid who, you know, yeah, had sure. never played and they didn't want to back my judgment. And um, a couple of the, you know, the, the blokes who were sitting in the suits and collars and the vests and the jackets, I should say, who were fronting the coverage thought that it would bring shame to Australian golf if John Daly treated our tour the way he treated it that time, which lacks complete understanding of news and the moment and um, but it, it just gave me a bit of an insight into I don't know how I got to this, but from the, the start, the asking yeah, the question, sure. but, but it gave me an insight into you know the sort of mindset behind production. Yeah. Um, mm. Are there others? Have there been other times where it's been really difficult to watch on as you think we should be doing something else here, like in other sports, and you know we should be interviewing a different player, not just the you know, it's oh, yeah. Jonathan Thurston. It's, yep. you know. I think that all the time. I think it all the time. You know, like um, for golf, for example, um, uh, I've had, so one of my briefs when I was covering golf was uh, get out on the practice range, go to the putting green, you know, before Saturday, Sunday, and go get us, go get us, Adam Scott. You know, go get us an interview with um, whoever the big name international pro was. Mm. Um, go get us then, you know, and you get them sometimes, but oftentimes they say no. Yes. Uh, you know, they're in, you, you should have, if you're here half an hour ago, you could have got, but now I'm in my, I'm in my warm up routine. routine and I don't want to be interrupted. And I understand that no problems, but, but the, I would think that um, the more interesting chat on some of those days is, Matt Griffin, who at 22 is in the second last round and it's Day, Scott, Spieth, Griffin, Griffin. whoever it is, you know, whatever the names are, you've got this kid who, you know, only real golf purists know about. I'm way more interested in hearing what Matt Griffin's thinking half an hour before hitting his first drive on that day than I am what? somebody who's been there 150 times before in their life is thinking. I understand that, you know, Jordan Spieth or Rory McIlroy, whoever it is, is uh, more recognisable. But, A, they don't want to do it. They don't want to do that chat. They're going to say nothing. Yeah. Whereas this kid, like, you know. We want it. I want to hear that. Yeah, that's a much more it. interesting story to me. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. And I think that's probably where we met was – maybe a 2012 Aussie Masters when I shot seven under in that first round. I reckon was it was. Yep. And, uh, and Marco and, and Schwartzy, um, the Ox, interviewed me in the on-site caravan for SDN. Yep. And I reckon through that week, that's where we first met. And, you know, and I was that guy that week. Yeah. You know, I was that well, guy that nobody really had heard of. And uh, let's chat to this guy. And they gave me that nickname, Billy Guy, which is your, <laughs> your company down there in Melbourne. Yep, yep. And, um, and that weekend, man, I had people yelling out, go Billy, all weekend. Is, you know? is that right? 
Yeah, it was so cool. Yeah, how good's that? So cool, you know. And and That's we're great. the ones. Well, we're the we're the ones who want to build our profile. The Scott, the McElroys, they don't need it. No. You know, so yeah, we're we're the ones who you know kind of want that, you know, opportunity to get people to know us and. But Maddie, it's that's true, right? Follow us. He absolutely, but and this is no disrespect to any of the frontliners, right? The top, the the A-listers, the top, the top. Of course. But they often don't have the most interesting story. (laughs) They don't. It's all been pretty easy, you know easy in inverted commas, but it's all been pretty easy for those guys. They've been winning tournaments since they were 23. They've had 25 million bucks in the bank since they were 30. They've had Rolex sponsorships. They've had everyone coming at them. They don't need, they don't need it. Their story is not a story that is relatable. Whereas um, your story, Jared Lyle's story, um, you know, um, Brett Ogle's story, you know, like, um, there's a there's there's a thousand of them, you know that 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 I I think are just better yarns. Myself. Yeah, and that's that's and mate, that's you know why I reached out to you for a yarn on the show here because it's not just about the superstar sports people, but it's about the people who cover it as well. And you've got a journey, you've got a story, and I said that to you in my text messaging, mate. You've got mm. a story. Let's just share it. Let's mm. just delve into it and touch base and some of the stuff you've talked about and your first live cross. And what about some of the fascinating people you've chatted to over the years and through some of your sports, what's the, you know, we chatted a little bit about, you know, the new Optus stadium um, over in Perth and it's an amazing stadium. We've obviously spent multitude of events at the G grand finals. Mm. Um, You've traveled around the world. You've seen some different stadiums. What's the best? So there's two answers to this. It's a, it's a, it's a tie. Um, when you stand out in the middle of the MCG on Anzac Day, yeah, which wow. I've, been, I've been lucky enough to do. I'd love to. It's, it's incredible. So yeah. you know, the, the, the last post. Yep. Incredible. Oh, you get yeah. chills thinking about it. You really do. It's amazing. It's yeah. amazing. It's the, the, the quiet, the respect that that, that day engenders from 95,000 people in that joint. It's, uh, it's quite something. Yeah, well. um, but have you been to Augusta? Yes. Well, uh, until you, uh, I've, been, I've been lucky enough to go there twice. Um, it's hard to... There? No, no, I've had to come home. So I've been able to... Have you played there? No, I haven't. But they, no. have, a, they have a media the day, right? Yeah, the ballot. Yeah, yep, yep. So I've had to leave... Before that goal, I've, I've been under strict, strict instructions to come home for work. So I haven't been able to put my name in for the ballot. So yes. next time I'll definitely do it. But um, if there is a next time, but. Um, Surely you need me there as an offside. Well, I think, the well, I think we need, well, let's do that. Let's make sure that's part of it. Um, but that place is, that place is ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Crazy. Stupid. Well, I actually had, I had breakfast one morning. This is not a word of a lie. So my media pass, which I've got around here somewhere, but uh, I had breakfast. We had that, our media pass as a TV broadcaster gets us access all areas. Right. And I was having breakfast on the balcony of the main clubhouse. It's a small little clubhouse, right? Yeah, tiny. And I'm having breakfast with uh, Jay Townsend uh, at one of our producers, me and... Jesus, who was that? There were four of us on the table. I can't remember who the other... So we're sitting there having breakfast. And it's quite crammed. The tables are quite yes. close together. And I kept... The, the chair behind me, I kept getting bumped into, right? So I'm sitting here. I couldn't see who was behind me. Jay Townsend's on the other side of the table from me. And he said, Murray, turn around and have a look who's at the table behind you. I turned around. It was Jack and Arnie and their wives. In their in their green jackets. Oh, good. And so I had, I think it was Mrs. Palmer. I don't think it was Barbara, <laughs> who was banging her chair into the back of mine as she was trying to get herself into the table. And I'm half, I'm half shitty with her for not for bumping me without knowing who it was. <laughs> and then I've turned around and oh, Jesus, look at what he's so. Just keep banging away. <laughs> yeah, I, I just 
so that was one of those little moments where you pinch yourself, you know. The the Arnold Palmer Jack Nicholas at the Masters is quite an amazing experience, isn't it? I was watching the par three on the Wednesday, sitting on some bark chips on the slopes around that mm. little area. Yep, yep. Um, you know, looking down through the pines at one of the holes that came across the water. And where Arnie stays is just sort of up in the background. And yep. he came out on this, out on his balcony just for a fleeting moment. And the crowd just started roaring, yep. you know, and it was just, what, what's happening? What's happening here? So you're, you're turning around and there's Arnie up on the thing, giving this sort of royal wave. And it was, oh, it was amazing. So I've spoken to a lot of golfers about Augusta and a lot of them say, uh, no, I, I'm not going to go there until I play. You know, I'm not going to go there until I get in the field. Did you have a bit of that? Like, were you, did it, did it get to a point in your life where you just thought, nah, stuff it, I've got to go now, you know, or did you? Well, I never did you, had it. No, I never I, had that. I yeah. always wanted to play and always, you know, that was the dream as a kid. And, you know, I chatted to Scotty about this the other week, you know, about that putty hold on 18 to, mm. you know, which we thought was maybe for the win and ended up being getting him into the playoff. But We've all hit that putt in practice and imagined hitting that putt in practice as kids growing up playing pro golf or wanting to be pro golfers. Um, but I never had, I've chatted to a lot of guys who have that mindset that mm. they're not going there. They want it, the only time they want to get there is when they're in the, in the masters. Um, for me, it wasn't that I never had that desire. And the, the ones that the, the instant second I was asked, did I want to go? It was a yes. Right. Absolute. Yes. Yep. You know, yep. and, uh, and I don't regret it. Um, I'd go back in a heartbeat as well. I'd love to go back with a bunch of your golfing mates mm. and, mm. you know, and just yep. go and experience it and, yep. you know, wander uh, a, around and have a few beers and just enjoy the tournament. And then, so we sort of, again, we, but out the front of, you know, Washington, Washington Avenue or whatever it's called out the front yep. of the joint, it's, it's ugly. Like it's, there's nothing, as you know, like it's not, <laughs> Augusta is this serene, majestic cathedral. Little, yeah, and the outside's rubbish, and then down the road, um, did you go for dinner at any of the ribs joints? Or yeah, so you could be having dinner there, and in the booth next to you is Mickelson and his family, and then over there's Bubba Watson. Like, there's no, isn't it amazing? Like, it's it's just a bizarre, bizarre yeah. place, really. What about if we flip the coin here a little bit and say, okay, well, those those are two amazing experiences, and I've done one, so I'd love to do an Anzac yeah. day yeah. at the G at some point. What about other venues or sporting events around the world that as a sports presenter, sports producer, sports commentator, you haven't been to that you'd love to tick off the, the bucket well, list? Yep, it's easy at the moment. Like I would love to be, um, I was lucky enough for a while to cover soccer in Australia. I had yep. a, a very small role with a great team of people at Fox Sports covering the A-League for a while. I've always been a soccer fan. I grew up in the 70s as a kid, uh, watching the big match come in from, uh, sure. from yeah. England on, on the ABC. And Liverpool were the kings of the world back in those Absolutely. days. So I had this Liverpool. I would love to, I would love to, well, I'd love to, I'd love to go to Anfield and watch a game. I've been to Anfield without watching a game. I'd love to be at Anfield to watch Liverpool win. I'd love yeah. to be, not even necessarily cover it, just, to be the top end around. and yeah, just yeah. that, that is, um, surely the day they lift the wouldn't that be trophy this year. Well, I, it could have happened on Wednesday morning. Have they beaten Have they beaten Everton this morning? Yeah. They could have done it on Wednesday, but yeah. it looks like it might take another game now. But, um, uh, yeah, that of, of all the yearnings I have, that's, that's the one to go to yeah. watch Liverpool play at Anfield would be, um, yeah, that's that's the one for me. What about if you could sit down one on one with a a sports star and have this conversation? Who would you choose? Oh man! Um, <laughs> Sorry, oh, mate. This is what Jesus. you just told. You're teaching me this. You just told me this before. You know, let God. the questions come to you and ask yeah. them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's a. Um, <laughs> it's your fault. I should have. Okay. So if I could get him, if I could get him when he was still intact, right? So does it have to be in 2020 or it can be at any time in my life as a sports fan? 
Why don't we do both? Okay. So if I could get him when he was intact and I could get him on his own without any of his minders around and, um, and, as, and, and I could have him for two hours. So mm-hmm. give him the chance to be the theatrical version and then hopefully get that out of the way. Muhammad Ali yeah. would be the one that I'd like to have had the opportunity to have spent that amount of time with. Um, nowadays, in 2020, oh, God, jeez. Um, who would it be for you? Hey, you can't deflect like that. But, um, <laughs> um, oh, look, I, I look at this podcast and, and, you know, I've got those those people that I'd love to be able to somehow connect to and reach out to and chat to. I, I think for me, a Kelly Slater would be mm-hmm. awesome. Um, loves his <laughs> golf and, you know, massively amazing Super talented, chilled dude, surfing his way around his life, you know. And it's I spent a so day cool. at the MCG. I spent a day at the MCG. There's not a word of all this. Most this how things. I wouldn't have even. I spent a day at the MCG, uh, and a court. I had to do an interview with um, Kelly Slater and um, Andrew Bogut at halftime oh, yeah. of this game. I don't know why they were both there, but they were. And it was an Essendon game. So Bogut was here as an Essendon fan and Slater was probably just getting shown around the job. I spent a quarter. So they sat down um, on the interchange bench with me for a quarter. And so I spent half an hour with Kelly Slater, you know, uh, watching the footy. And he was asking questions of me and Bogut. What what happened there? Why why did he just do that? And uh, he would not remember that, obviously, for a second. But (laughs) he's just one of the most unaffected yeah like superstars you will ever, like yep so you'd have fun if you sat down with kelly slater it'd just be a yeah. pleasant you'd enjoy the experience with him I'd you know it. and i'm a massive i'm a massive federer fan so i wouldn't mind sitting down with roger federer and and maybe even doing the roger federer one with rafa in the same room i think i hope there's more cool. yeah i don't know the tennis players See, the one that sprung to mind, when you said, is there someone, the one person I thought of was Serena Williams. Yeah, okay. Um, and I'm not, I'm not a massive tennis fan. I love it. I mean, I watch it, but I'm not massively into it. And maybe her story's already been told. I, I don't know. Maybe it's already been told. So maybe she wouldn't be a great interview. But I feel like there is, I don't know. I always, keep, I always think there's something inside Serena that she hasn't, we haven't seen yet. Yeah. Uh, so I look, I could be complete. I could be barking mad and completely wrong. Um, but I think she is about as interesting as any sports person on the planet for all the right and the wrong reasons. What about uh, Lance Armstrong? No, I've got no interest in Lance Armstrong. Yeah. Okay. Did you see the latest thing that he did? No, I haven't watched it. Oh mate, it's self-serving. No, he's a liar. No, yeah, right. I got, I got, he's just going to, no, but no, his, his story's been told, you know, so is, she probably, so is hers. So her probably, I think that's probably, an interesting take on it is that, you know, the, some of those people have, you know, been interviewed so many times, mm. you know, the, the story's oh, yeah. told, the yeah. story's and told. That, that's what you're talking about before with the Mac Griffin concept is, yeah. that, you know, let's tell a different story. Let's well, hear a different well, story. So, you know, like the best interview, well, the best, the most, the memory, the interview that I've done that I will probably never forget in my entire life was with Jared Lyle, who you know very well. And I'd like to say I became, I wouldn't say I became a friend of Jared's because he had genuine friends and I wasn't one of those, but I got to know him pretty well. And I think he trusted me as a media person. Yeah. And, um, we, we had a chat when he was in his hospital bed uh, when he, when he, one of those days where he got some bad news. Sure. And, um, and that was um, there. That's an, un, that's, a, that's an unusual situation to find yourself in. And um, there's, no script for a, there's no script for an interview like that. Like you can't. So... You know, whether you would find yourself in a position like that with someone like 
John McEnroe or Lance Armstrong or Serena Williams or Greg Norman, whether you could ever get them out of that, out of their lanes, you know, out is of that it, very, that very professionally, this is how I'm talking. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's the challenge, isn't it? Like, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I think that's what's made, you know, my enjoyment of these podcasts so so high, is that you know everyone who sat down to chat has just chatted, you know, mm. and it's, you know, I said to a couple of people, I, I said I genuinely think it maybe feels like this for the other person that they're just chatting to a mate on the other side, you know, they're mm. chatting into a screen and they just talk, you yep. know, and yep it's almost like they don't realize that I'm going to rip all this audio out and throw it to the world. <laughs> you know? uh, well, that's, you know, that, like we said at the outset, this is a, um, you know, like this podcasts are, have their own unique feel and flavor and um, yeah, they're, they're a very unique part of the media landscape is you can't really edit these things. I mean, you can, but yeah. Um, it's um and and because you know what is it it's caught to nine when you and i are speaking to one caught to nine melbourne times so i don't know what it is up we're yeah, on the same, same we're the same yeah um you know like it's a we're both pretty relaxed you know you got a beer yeah. i got a glass of wine like we're all we're pretty there's no it's not like we're live to air on radio or no. it doesn't feel like that it feels like a different yeah um, I, think, I think that's what's cool about it mm. what about what about for you what you've got coming up. Um, COVID's obviously changed our sporting landscape quite dramatically. Mm. So what does the rest of this year look like for, for you, Andy, and yeah. where you're headed? And, and what about, you know, do you, are you someone that looks to the future as to how much longer you'll do what you're doing? Or I've been saying to my wife for five years now, that's it for me, I'm done. At the end of this year, we'll, we'll pull up stumps, we'll go and live down the beach and that'll be it. Unfortunately, I met her far too late in life, Maddie, and um, our children are far too young for me to be. Yes. Uh, I can't just yet. Yeah, so I, I, I reckon I've got. Well, I'm 55. I reckon I've got. Um, I don't know if I've got five more years left in me. That's a stretch. Yeah. Um, and, and then, then the dream of the beach. Yeah. Living shack, by the beach and shack, walk the dog, play golf. Where's the beach for you? Uh, it'll be, I'd, I'd go down to St Andrews Beach. I'd be happy yeah, to play wow. that golf course. Have you played down there? St Andrews, I haven't played it. Oh, no. mate, you've got to. I'd love to. Just, it yeah. is, that's it's as, good a golf, amazing. As, good, as good a golf course as I've played in Australia. Yeah, wow. It's magnificent. So uh, I'd be happy to play there four times a week, read a book, <laughs> look at the sunset, you know, just... How yeah, good. Yeah. The, the uh, glass of red wine. Yeah, that sort of stuff. Mm. So... Um, and what about yeah. this year? A bit more immediate. Yeah. Well, we've got, you know, a, look, I'm lucky, mate. Like I've, I've, I've never, um, I'm one of those really lucky ones that's we've had to take the radio station I work for down here in Melbourne has somehow, it's a sports 24 hour a day, seven days a week sports radio station. Somehow it's, it's the greatest thing ever. But how did it start on air <laughs> during COVID? Like there was no sport. Yeah. Like we managed yeah. to start on air. We all, you know, we all took, significant pay cuts to do it. We were lucky because we kept our work. Yeah. A lot of others didn't. No, uh, we're, sure. mindf we're mindful of that. So we are footies back. So that, um, that adds another string to our bows. I do a show on channel seven called the front bar, which yeah. is. Yeah. Yeah. I meant, I meant to ask you about that. What's that like? Cause that's definitely very, very more comedy based. Mate. It's fun. Like it's, yeah, it's just fun. Like it's, um, Footy is a sport. We, we, everybody wants to take a lot of sport very seriously. Um, the three blokes are doing all four with Andy Lee as part of our rotation. Um, you know, we all, we all take our footy really seriously. We all love it. But the front bar is not that show. Like we no. get old blokes on to talk about their old deeds and their yeah, uh, salad days. Great. And it's great fun, mate. We have a ball yeah. doing that show. And Andy Lee's... Uh... Have you played golf with him? He's a yep. mad keen golfer. He hits it when he hits it. He hits it. it stays here. Yeah, Sam nice Pang. Guy. Sam Pang's late to golf. He's okay. a very serious golfer now. Mick Malloy's loose as you'd expect, but when he hits it, he hits it all right too. So they're all keen golfers. Mm. Mm. Mate, it's been awesome chatting to you. I'm not going to hold you up forever, but um, no, it's great. Know, I love listening to the journey, and 
you know, just your passion from 13, 14 years old to, to chase the dream and keep pushing and keep, you know, doing the work. And, and I think that's a, you know, it's a great live lesson for anyone out there who's got a passion to do something and chase the dream. Well, if you can, if you can do the work without it, even feel it with, without it ever feeling like work, that's yeah. the challenge. Yeah. Um, Find and if that you're, space. yeah, you know, if you're a mum or a dad and you're listening to this chat or you're a kid, um, get, and, and your kids sort of get into that age, you know, 14, 15, 16, 17, whatever it is, and they can't quite find what it is that they want to do. Um, what do they like? Yeah. What do they like? Do they like horses? Well, go get a job at a training stable. Yeah. You know, go pick up horse poo, get a job, go and get in, immerse yourself in, just find a space that you are happy in and surround yourself with it. And that's all I've ever done, you know, and uh, I've been so lucky and uh, there's been very few days in my working life where I feel like I'm, it's a grind. It's not, yeah. I haven't had many days like that in my life. So how lucky am I? Mate, that's awesome, man. And, you know, I'm, I'm the lucky one because we got to meet a few years ago and we've been mates ever since. And, um, you know, it never seems like time has passed between when we catch up and have a chat, you know, to be yep. honest. And I think that's, that's awesome. And it'll be a sad day when you do hang up the boots, mate, because I think you're genuinely one of the great guys in, in Australian sports commentary and presenting. Um, and that's genuine. I've got one final question for you, which yeah, I ask right. all my guests. Right up. We've sort of touched on this a little bit, but it's a bit different. If you could be one, if you could be one sports star for a day and live their day, mm. live one of their days, who would it be? You've already mentioned him. You've already mentioned his name, Kelly Slater. Oh, Kelly. How good. Give me, give me a day. Give me a day. Well, whether it be him or Fanning or you know, any of them, pick, pick any one of them. You know, Steph, whoever, pick any one of them. A day of, uh, of their life, um, getting, you know, like I love surfing. Um, I'm not very good at it. But to have a day where you are, you know, at, good at yeah, <laughs> J-Bay or pick whatever wave it is, you know, any, anyone around the world where it's just you and one other person and you're on and you get the perfect conditions and, and, it's, and you nail it, you just have a, have a day out. That would be, yeah, that'd be pretty sweet, I reckon. Yeah, absolutely. That's oh, awesome. Mate, I wish you and your family all the best of health and well-being during this time, which is still a bit tricky mm. um, for everyone around the world. And, and certainly we always are thinking of everyone. Um, that, mate, I, I look forward to listening and seeing you over the coming months on some AFL coverage and some TV. And I uh, wish you all the very best, mate. Thank you so much for joining us on The Hard Yards. Keep up the good work, Eddie, and hopefully we'll see a lot more of you as well, mate. Thanks for having me. Well, that is the end of episode 11 and perhaps our first look into a different side of sport and some of the professions that help capture and present the sports elite into our lives as we watch sporting events unfold around the world. A big thanks to Andy Marr, not only for his time with me in this episode, but also for being such a good guy that always made it easy to say yes whenever he asked for an interview over the years. What a month it has been in June and it will be very hard to top, but I am madly putting together July, hoping to continue to bring some cool guests and great insights into the challenges of sport and life. I look forward to having you join us next week, and as usual, stay safe, stay healthy in these uncertain times, and whatever you're doing, don't forget to put in the hard yards. <laughs>